will please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, this morning we're concluding our sermon series on the wonder of Christmas. As we've looked at the wonder of Mary, the wonder of the shepherds and the angels, and this morning the wonder of Eve. Genesis chapter 4, just one verse this morning to us. This is God's holy word. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of redemption that we know goes back to the very good beginning and continues generation through generation, culminating in that blessed hope that one day every people, every tongue, every tribe will gather around the throne to worship the Lamb who was slain. Father, this morning as we look way, way back at this story, we see this truth, this promise foreshadowed for us. So Lord, help us to see it. Help us to see that all of your promises are yes and amen through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. When we think of Christmas, we think of shepherds, we think of angels, we think of a young couple in the lowly town of Bethlehem. Of course, we think of a baby lying in a manger, the Son of God, Jesus, Emmanuel. But do we think of the garden? Do we think of creation? Do we think of the fall of mankind into sin? Do we think of the first family ever created? This is where the Christmas story actually begins, in the very good beginning. You see, the Christmas story didn't begin in the town of Bethlehem. It's in fact the grand story of redemption that began when God first created the world and the people who lived in it. As we read earlier in the service in Genesis chapter 3, we find recorded for us some pretty bad news, some dark news. The bad news that sin had entered the world. It seemed as if for a moment Satan had won, that he was successful And not only getting Adam and Eve to doubt God, but to actually disobey Him. And because of their sin, because of their act of disobedience, we know, we believe that the whole world was plunged into darkness. Because sin, at that moment, had entered the world. But the story doesn't stop there, thankfully. It doesn't end in doom and gloom. 
And that is why we must look very carefully at this story and what is recorded for us. And if you have your Bibles open, you can look there at Genesis 3, 15. And in this verse, near the end of this verse, we actually have a word of hope. A word of hope that we must not miss, that we must not gleam over too quickly. We must understand and unpack what it is. It is a word that the scholars have called the Proto-Evangelium. That is a Greek word that means the first promise of the gospel. We have the first promise of hope here found right after the world was plunged into darkness. We read in this pronouncement from the Lord God that there would be one who would come who would be born of a woman who would bruise or who would crush the head of the serpent, symbolic of undoing the darkness, undoing the curse that had entered the world. A symbolic gesture of one who would come, who would undo the curse, who would even destroy the one who introduced sin into the world. This is the promise that a redeemer, a deliverer, An offspring of the woman would be born who would come to undo the sin and misery that had entered the world at this point. This is what we would call the first appearance of grace that we read about in our scriptures. The late James Montgomery Boyce, a PCA pastor whose wife said he loved Christmas dearly, he said this, This is the first appearance of grace, the undeserved favor of God in the Bible. And grace is always surprising. And Christmas is the most surprising grace of all. Because the promise was this. The promise of Christmas found here in these words in the very beginning. That there would come forth one from the line of Adam and from the seed of Eve an offspring, a child, who would crush the head of the serpent. I believe that this promise, that this hope, was not lost on Adam and Eve. I don't believe this was some cryptic saying that was given to them by God that they totally did not understand. They did not hear the Lord God pronounce this curse and then this promise and then just forget about it and go on their daily lives. I believe these words rang in their heart and in their soul for days and years and months. God's grace was not lost on them. And this was even proven to them later in Genesis chapter 3, specifically verse 21, where we read something else amazing that we might miss if we just gloss over it. It says, The Lord God made For Adam and his wife, garments of skin and clothed them. Now think about that for a moment. One of the curses, the many curses from the fall, was that they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. Shame had entered the world. And so they needed clothes. And so the Lord God provided these clothes for them. And these clothes were something far better than some fig leaves sewn together that would eventually rot. These were 
garments of skin. What this tells us is that there was an animal sacrifice. An animal's life was taken in order to provide these garments for Adam and Eve. And this shows us that blood sacrifice of an animal would be important to cover them with God's grace. God's grace was not lost on them as shame and fear entered their world for the first time because they were cast out of the only place that they knew and that they loved, this garden, this beautiful place that God had placed them and provided for them and showered them with his love and his kindness. But even after being cast out of this place, their calling Their mandate, it did not change. Their goal in life, their their calling in life, it, it, it still was there for them. The mandate God had for them from the very beginning was still in effect, and that was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That is what they were to do. And so that is what they did. Adam and Eve had a family. And in Genesis 4, we find recorded for us about this first family giving birth to their first children. Cain and Abel, perhaps the most notorious brothers in history. Some of you think that you and your brothers had the the market share on fighting, not like this. Cain was the first born to Adam and Eve, the very first child born. And at his birth, we have recorded for us In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, a response from Eve that I believe tells us something very profound about the wonder of Christmas. What could Eve possibly tell us about the wonder of Christmas? Let's look carefully at these words recorded for us in Genesis 4, verse 1. Because Eve's wonder is going to be found in the promise that the Lord God had given to her and to Adam, that one day he would send one to them who would crush the head of Satan and undo this awful curse. Many scholars believe that these words of Eve found in Genesis 4 verse 1 indicate that she thought that as soon as she had given birth to this child, to Cain, that he was in fact the promised seed of Genesis 3.15, the one who would come forth to be the deliverer. And in other words, her reaction tells us something about the wonder and the hope that had begun to marinate in her heart. I mean, imagine, if you will, for everything you had ever known, for this perfect happiness and perfect communion with God to be undone and then to be cast from your home and then to be naked and afraid And to be in a totally unfamiliar place, scared. And all you had were those words of hope. All you had was that promise of God to hold on to. And so when we look a little carefully, more deeper at the Hebrew words, Genesis being written for us originally in the Hebrew language, What we might read or translate from her response would be something like this. She gave birth to her child and she said, here he is. I've got him. He's come. 
what Eve was essentially saying is, I have brought forth a man. The deliverer is now in my hands. It could be that Eve lived with such anticipation, such hope in God's promise that she thought that she had actually given birth to the promised deliverer. We don't know for sure how much time had passed from when Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden and she had given birth to her first child. But could you imagine the anticipation, the longing, the hope that must have welled up within them as they wanted to go back to the way things were. Have you ever felt like that before when tragedy has struck or suffering comes your way? Can we just go back to the way things once were? Could we go back to that perfect communion that they once had with the Lord their God? That was the hope. That was the promise that they were holding on to. But the story actually keeps getting worse at this point instead of better. Because Adam and Eve did not know that they had actually given birth to a killer rather than the deliverer. We go on to read in Genesis chapter 4 that her firstborn, whom she had high hopes for, even being a savior, would actually murder her, would actually murder his own brother out of jealousy. How disappointed Adam and Eve must have been that instead of a savior, all they got was a sinner, just like them. And we see this truth echoed here in the very beginning that Paul records for us in Romans. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the dark reality of the world into which we are all born into. The world has fallen. We are sinners by nature. This is the reality by which the Christmas story comes to us. The world is a dark place. Darkness is over the land. This is why good news is longed for. This is the wonder of Eve, this this anticipation, this anticipation that we all are feeling right now, this longing, this this question that I love that Samwise Gamgee asked Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings, is all that is sad going to come untrue, Gandalf? I see you guys smiling. You love that story. When is all that is sad going to come untrue? That is the hope. That is the longing for all God's people from this time forward and forever. The great anticipation, when would the Messiah come and destroy the enemies of God? When would he come and deliver us from sin and death? That is the story in every single story in the Bible. When is all that is sad going to come untrue? When is the promise of Genesis 3.15? going to be fulfilled. This is why Christmas is the fulfillment of all of our hopes and all of our longings. 
You see, the wonder of Eve is found in her longing for a Redeemer, her longing for a Savior, her hoping for the curse to be undone. How long, O Lord? How long? Till the promise is fulfilled. And now, fast forward. Thousands of years later. To another mother. Named Mary. Holding her baby. Whom she had just delivered. In a stable. And Mary, we read in the scriptures was not hoping at that point. She was knowing that the child whom she delivered was the Savior of the world. Mary, did you know, is actually not a great theologically sound. She knew. (laughs) The angel told her. The heavens were open to her. She had a baby out of wedlock. (laughs) She knew, she knew that she had given birth to the deliverer. Joseph knew because it had happened just as it had been told to him and that he would call his child Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. The deliverer had been born, born of a virgin. Oh, the wonder. Oh, the wonder that I get to tell you today, the Deliverer is here. He has come. He is Christ the Lord. The power of death has been undone. The the wait is over. And that is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I hope you've watched that. That's like the only theologically correct movie on TV. Charlie Brown wandering around. Can anybody tell me what Christmas is all about? To just take your thumb out of your mouth. Like old Linus. And read the good story of Luke chapter 2. The Savior has been born. Christ the Lord. That is what Christmas is all about. As James Montgomery Boyce says again. Christ, Christmas. It's about a deliverer from sin, promised to our first parents thousands of years ago in Eden. They had sinned and would have perished in their transgression, but God said that he was going to send his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save them from their sin. And God did it. He did it. It's easy to read this huge, thick Bible and this long story and maybe ask, why did it take so long? Why did it take so long? Paul records for us in Galatians that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the curse of the law so that we might receive the adoptions as sons. It was all in God's good timing. It's all about God's timing. Jeff and Cecilia, would you be having the ministry that you are right now without a hurricane? It's all in God's good timing. The incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ, 
is the ultimate proof, the ultimate way that all of God's promises have come true. It's the oldest promise of God coming true here from Genesis 3.15. It is hoped realized. And so we sing that great hymn, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and the fears of all of us are met in that little town of Bethlehem on that Christmas night. God kept his biggest promise, his greatest promise, How will he not also keep all his other promises? God guaranteed this promise. He guaranteed it at great cost to himself by sending his one and only son and giving him up for us all. This is the very foundation of our hope. Hope that will last. Hope that will not fail. A hope and a love that will not let us go. This morning, if you feel that you have no hope because of suffering, if you feel that you have no hope because life feels out of control, if you feel that you are lost, where can you go for comfort and reassurance? Then look to this truth, that God has kept his biggest and greatest promise by sending Jesus, the deliverer, the promised one. Behold, the wonder of God. Oh, how wonderful, how marvelous is our Savior's love to us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Merry Christmas, everyone. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we praise you and thank you this morning that we can come before you and worship and praise you because hope has been realized that a savior has come that the deliverer has come to undo sin and misery that he has conquered sin and death by his birth his life his death his resurrection So, Lord, we pray that the the hope and the promise of Christmas would not be lost on us this year, that we would worship, that we would meditate on the goodness that you have fulfilled, even from the very beginning of the history of the world until now. And so we cry out with the saints of old, with all those who surround you in glory, 
Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. That we may see you and praise you forever. For it is in your name that we pray. Amen.